Hello and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace and Hover. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a senior video producer at Polygon.com. And I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate who spends most of her time in the clouds on an airplane. And Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress in the state of Massachusetts. So, Simone, the time has come yet again for us to discuss your Twitter account. Um, Uh oh. I mean, I'm I'm always a fan. I just want to let that be known. Yeah, uh, we're, I, I want to compliment you on your professional uh, Twitter account. Can you please explain to the Rocket listeners oh no. what Mama needs suck? Mama needs suck. Oh, I want it so badly. I'm baby. What, I'm baby. Can you please explain? Okay, I started watching. The uh, critically acclaimed HBO series Succession, and as I was wondering, pondering, as I do, uh, when season two of critically acclaimed HBO series Succession would come out, I thought to myself, Mama needs S-U-C-C. Mama needs that succession. Mama needs suck. And then I thought to myself, no, Simone, you can't say that. But it was and then too you late. Did repeatedly, yes. <laughs> I inceptioned myself, <laughs> and then and then there was an HDMI like communication problem with my TV when I was trying to rewatch season one of Succession, and then Mama didn't have suck, and Mama really really <laughs> wanted suck. I was I able just, to fix I, it though. You tweet like I wish I could tweet if I weren't running for office. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, I just I just say I'm baby. So you are baby. Oh, oh, I'm God. baby is a wonderful meme, and I will drop an explainer to it in the show notes. I love um, I'm baby. That's it is my favorite meme. Yeah, um, it's very good. Semi more also, importantly. Also, we're not going to, because we have so many other amazing things we have to talk about, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the new Taylor Swift single, but everyone <laughs> should listen to it and watch the music video because it's amazing. So, Song of the Summer, I'm calling it. Not her, like, best, like, lyric song, but it's the first single, which is always, like, the the one that's, like, different, like, it's to throw you off. Anyway, it's super fun, and and Brandon Urie is really hot, so. The video is very fun. Yeah. I have to agree with that. Everyone yeah. stream me because it's good uh, Put a note in there, Simone. Oh. Uh, oh god they, oh you know what i got you know what i got this is gonna be horrible um it's, it's delayed so it's useless now a dog clicker <laughs> so that i can make more efficient timestamps. sorry jim this one is way too late <laughs> i'll just uh put a little explainer in there later for him uh, yeah, so stream Taylor Swift, watch Succession on HBO. But more importantly, uh, today we're going to talk about our scary quantum computing future. We're going to talk about some interesting new gadgets from Samsung. And of course, we will discuss the biggest news of our year, which is the results of Anna Delvey, a.k.a. Uh, Ms. Sorokin's trial here in New York City for all the frauds, all the frauds that she did, which and we don't have to say allegedly anymore. I'm done with it. It's <laughs> <laughs> my least favorite word. Uh, but we'll we'll start off with our delicious hard tech topic of the day. And I'm going to throw this one to Brianna because you, uh, you, you are a hard tech person of the two, two of the hard tech people of the three on this podcast. Uh, so there was this great article in Arsenica about cryptography and the future of cryptography and our security in the age of quantum computing would you like to explain it yeah so i want to start off by saying this there are probably people out there with phds in quantum computing that understand this better than and in physics yeah 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 because it's yeah this is physics it's bananas it's it is bananas i've i've tried many times to kind of understand and and i'm getting mm -hmm, better ish (laughs) But yeah, no, it's like a whole like I had to I had to um, do an interview with these amazing physicists last year in London about quantum computing. And it was one of those things where I was like, I let's talk about the ethical concerns of this stuff, because I I, I cannot I cannot talk about the science because I'm not I just don't. (laughs) 
I can talk about these other things about the push and pull between academia and industry, but, but the sure. other stuff, yeah, you guys, you guys should talk about it, right? Cause it's like a whole level. Well, of we could certainly talk about what it means to people, uh, what, what it means for our industry, right? So very similar to, uh, to GPUs, right? GPUs are better at everything, but they're much better at some things. And very similar to that, uh, quantum computers are not better at everything, but they are really good at certain specific problems, particularly related to cryptography. So uh, one of the things this article really goes into is how a cryptographic protocol standard is really only good for yeah about 20 years. Like I was watching uh, the Americans recently <laughs> and the whole first season, it's about DES encryption, right? Which is this uh, protocol. It lasted through the nineties and then, you know, you go just pick up a Hewlett Packard for $2,000. that can break the encryption, right? So technology marches on. Uh, today we have various levels of AES encryption, you know, 128, 256. Uh, and currently it's estimated that's probably not going to have a dependable shelf life past uh, 2020. So what we need to do is start thinking about investing in uh, cryptographic protocols. So right here in Boston, believe it or not, they're buying up a ton of fiber lines uh, and directly connecting it down to Washington, D.C. And what is so interesting about a cryptographic uh, protocol is it's actually using physics of the way it's transmitted through the lines to actually be part of the standard. So it's really, really resistant to a man-in-the-middle attack. So, uh, yeah, I think this is absolutely fascinating. And something I think is really important from a national security perspective is China is investing billions upon billions upon billions of dollars in uh, quantum uh, computing encryption. And I would like to see America step it up and also do the same. So, Christina, yeah. how do you feel about that? I, I agree. And I would actually say America is significantly. We are. North America. Yeah. yeah, we are. Uh, so I, when I was at Purdue in uh, November, I was there speaking. But while I was there, I happened to get a tour of their quantum lab. So um, Microsoft, um, along with a number of other companies, um, uh, Google, I think, IBM, there are a, a number of big companies who are all kind of in this race to build like the first quantum computer and, and Microsoft and its kind of uh, quest for that is working with a number of different sites to create um, the different uh, particles, the, the, the different parts necessary to build the machine. And so at uh, Purdue, they are actually working on, I guess, like the material layer, the quantum material that can then be used, I guess, to kind of fabricate like the equivalent of like the microprocessor. It, it's all a little bit different in, in quantum. Um, and and uh, people who know about this better than me, correct me, uh, email christina at christina.is. Uh, I will read your um, notes on the show. Um, but I got to, to take a look at the, the facility where they're doing all that research. And it's, again, um, it, it's led by like academia, like, like, uh, you know, some of the, the best minds in, in, in physics, as well as Microsoft employees. And in fact, the guy who was showing me around, he works at Microsoft, but before that he actually worked at Purdue and ran, you know, parts of that um, department. And then there are other facilities in other parts of the country where they're doing other things. And then um, I, it's being, they're trying to, to dub it Quantum Valley in um, uh, Waterloo, um, Ontario, uh, in, um, in Canada. Um, uh, Mike Lazaridis, the, one of the founders of, of, of uh, Research in Motion, which is now BlackBerry, has actually, <laughs> mm -hmm. no, I mean, but, which is dead. <laughs> well, it, the company still exists. But anyway, like he, right. Look, he made billions of dollars when he was at BlackBerry, and BlackBerry ultimately failed for lots of reasons, bad decisions, as I mentioned uh, when I mentioned the book that I was talking about last week. But he is actually like a physics guy, and he and his uh, childhood friend, the guy that he co-founded BlackBerry with, have both invested like hundreds of millions of dollars in quantum to try to turn Waterloo into Quantum Valley and, and to really do a lot of investment in that space. So there are actively right now, I would say all the major tech companies, with probably the exception of Apple, although it's possible that they might be doing some things, it really doesn't align with their direct kind of like consumer approach. There are lots and lots of companies that are actively investing in, in quantum. The big thing right now is just, can we get the machine? And then the big thing too is, as you say, for cryptographic purposes, obviously quantum is really good because it can make things more secure and harder to break. The downside, and this is like always like kind of a catch-22, is that once we do have quantum machines, it will be like ridiculously easy to break 
the cryptographic standards um, that that ex- that were not created using quantum, right? So it's one of those things where it's like you you want to get there, but although it can it can p- potentially aid in making things more secure and making really you know interesting um, you know uh, uh, creating really interesting algorithms that'll be really really tough to crack. At the same time, the power that these things have will mean that it could become trivial, especially if we get into a place where you have like cloud access to cloud to, to quantum computers, which is obviously one of the things that, that Microsoft wants to do and, and other companies want to do that as well. Because the idea isn't that everybody will have a quantum computer, it's like that you'll rent time on it. Um, but it will become trivial to to break, you know, like uh, current types of standards. Um, and so that's kind of like the push and pull is that it's, it's on the one hand, like it can lead to much more secure things. On the other hand, it will aid in, in, you know, kind of the cracking the cryptography that right. already exists and that is but already it's a well, march forward, right? Like well, it's, it is. It's, well, they're going to be trying to break forward. it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, and, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying this to like discount like the importance. I'm just saying like one of the things we have to think about when we think about cryptography is that the latest standards are very hard for, um, you know, uh, it takes a long time for people to adopt. So just because like AES-256, they're saying, okay, might be broken, or 128 rather, uh, 256 I think is a few more years out, like will be broken in 2020. That means, but that doesn't mean that all the devices and all the things that are using AES-128 will no longer uh, be in use. And in fact, with home devices and with internet of things and with the way people upgrade stuff and the lack of updates you could conceivably i mean we even saw this with wireless standards with wep wep which was broken years and years and years ago Mm. you still sometimes see access points running that wpa is the same thing like people have found ways to break it yet those standards are still in use and so you, you know Obviously, this is good to have a march forward, but I think it's also important that we all recognize that just because we have newer cryptographic uh, protocols, the old ones, especially, you know, the ones that will become as time marches on easier and easier to decrypt will remain in use for a long, long time. And that's something to be concerned about. And that's why you have to kind of look at, you know, uh, additional means of security and, and things like that. No, I think that's really fair. Um, I would say, though, that, like, it's one thing if, uh, you know, for, like, say, Russia, if they're trying to break a specific cryptographic message, right? Like, they could throw a lot of uh, computing power to break one target. There's a huge difference in, like, being able to dragnet things and, like, (laughs) you know, break all the cryptography along the line versus having one dedicated target and you're going to do that. So I, I fully agree with your point. Like WEP, that's a, it's a horror show, but it is, it, it is, I just want people to know it is going to take longer for you to specifically be a target on that just because you're less likely to be targeted than say, you know, a CIA transmission or the FBI or something like that. So We've got to move forward. It's really important we have a tech-focused policy to mandate these moves forward. Uh, What we've seen repeatedly is people tend to take the cheapest option with these things, and upgrading security is expensive. Yeah, I think that's where government has a role to play. Yeah, and I also think this is one of those cases where you do kind of see, even though there is like a push and pull for real um, between kind of academia and industry, I do actually think that this is one of those examples, quantum specifically, where the future is only going to be driven by the two working together. Um, Because you have, you know, the academia researchers are doing a lot of the stuff, but you really do kind of need the business case and the money from that. Because we can't expect, like, we used to live in a world where, like, you know, the the Department of Defense, you know, would would basically fund what would become the internet and would 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 do all kinds of other things. That's not the case anymore, right? Like that, unfortunately, is not what happens. And I think it would be difficult to make that argument to a lot of taxpayers today to say, oh, yeah. this is the sort of research that we as a government are going to lead, right? Now, other yeah. countries' governments do do this, but our government does not. And so, you know, it becomes this important place where endowments, uh, researchers, academics, and then, of course, you know, uh, big business are all working together. And when businesses see a use case, that can also, in my opinion, encourage the adoption and the rollout because they now have like, uh, you know, a, a cost incentive to try to get more people using the latest things. Absolutely. 
This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. And you can make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about it. Squarespace has it covered. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help along the way. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. They are. They're fun. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. And then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and to show your support for rocket. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash rocket and the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for for, for, for your support of Rocket (laughs) and Relay FM. Before we move to the next topic, can I tell you guys, Lord British, the CEO of Origin, the guy that, uh, like, from, well, Chris, what's his name, developed Wing Commander, but like the guy behind Ultima just donated to my congressional campaign. I'm freaking out. That's so cool. Lord British British just donated to my congressional campaign. I can't believe it. Sorry. That's gaming history right there. I'm freaking the frack out, Simone. God. We're talking about Rocket, though. TVs. Yes. So, okay, everyone's seen these bonkers uh, TV concepts from Samsung, c- king of concepts. Uh, Samsung <laughs> has shown off these, this, uh, a couple new models of TV that will be debuting in South Korea. Uh, but the one we're talking about today is called the Cero, S-E-R-O. And it is a TV that will pivot from vertical or swivel from vertical to horizontal, depending on your whims. Um, And it is to encourage people to basically stream stuff from their smartphones to their TVs because so much smartphone content is vertical. So the idea is uh, you can pop it on your TV in some kind of cool party situation and then it will be the correct appearance. Um, You might be able to tell by my tone that I think that this is silly, but Really? I I do. I don't know. I'm 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 definitely. I feel like here's the thing. I I feel like it's silly, but I also feel like I'm going to be proven wrong probably, and like <laughs> shown up as a an old luddite who at the age of 28 can't handle a vertical TV <laughs> that can also serve as a digital photo frame or a music visualizer, and has Bixby built in. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, okay. I kind of love this. I'm not going to lie. Oh, you would. This is is how I feel about this. I think all screens, generally speaking, should rotate to this side. All of them. Not just TVs. I wish IMAX did it. Like, sometimes when I'm going through contracts and stuff like that, I would love to just be able to turn my computer and, like, read it page by page. Yes. And for me, like, the ability to mirror an awesome iPad game to my home television or, like, a video that I took in the wrong orientation or whatever... I I kind of love this, and I think this is. I mean, it's not like a primary use case, but it's like we're at a point of diminishing returns on television technology, and like totally, this is an easy win in my opinion. I mean, yeah. So I have um, a couple of monitors at work, and they are unfortunately not 4K, but they are very nice. And one of the things that I like most about them is how easy it is to um, rotate them. So, like in the old days, if you wanted to like rotate your monitor, it was kind of a big pain where you have to, you know, like D, you know, take the whole thing apart, like add a different type of mount, do this whole process. This one, like it's not as easy as what this turns out to be, but it's not like a hard process at all. And so I quite enjoy, especially if I'm doing like a lot of um, like, like email or word documentation or certain web design stuff or whatever, like I love to rotate 
my monitor. And I would love to be able to rotate my TV for the same reason. Maybe you have an iPad game or an iPhone game, or maybe like, yeah, like you said, you take the video the wrong way. Or maybe, I don't know, like you're going to use your TV as your monitor because a lot of people do that. I don't know. I'm a fan. I'm I'm into this. Like, I like the idea. I like monitors that can switch up between vertical and horizontal. But I've I only ever use my TV as a second screen when I'm like, you know, doing stuff on my computer or my phone and I'm only ever watching like the critically acclaimed HBO show Succession. <laughs> right. Okay. But imagine, okay, he, he, hear me out on this because this could be kind of cool. So, like, because of how wide this is, you could have like a full, maybe potentially like 1080p thing at the top, right? Where you see it like the full amount, it's not going to fill up the full screen. And then underneath it, you could have room for other stuff if you wanted to maybe split screen, like have other content up or do something. I don't know. There, yeah. Like, I'm in the living But it'd be so far away from my face. Not no. necessarily. I, I'm in, in my living room, room, yeah. All the time with my husband. And it's like, I want to play a game. Like, maybe I want to play Final Fantasy XIV, just level up my crafting class or whatever. And then he wants to watch Star Trek or whatever. I would love to have that just one on top of the other. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be really cool, actually, if they could do that. I don't know. Like, this is an interesting concept. I'm into it. I do, I do think it is aesthetically very appealing. Like, it has this very modern-looking, clean-line stand that is mostly covered when it swivels into vertical and then kind of props it up when it is horizontal. I do think it's very attractive. It just would not work with my decor. So, I mean, what's, what's interesting to me and I look, I'm not convinced this whole idea is going to take off. They're just doing this in, in Korea. Who knows if we will even see this in the United States. I kind of doubt it, but this would be an interesting thing where if this took off and actually the Korea thing makes sense for this when I think about it, because they're um, well, okay. Because so much of like like a uh, 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 mukbang and like so much of their uh, kind of like uh, uh, streaming apps, people use their phones with vertical video. So you could kind of conceive of a way where if people are wanting to tune into that type of content, then you want to see it vertically. Um, but what would be interesting if this did take off would be if you would just see like content creators genuinely playing around with like the vertical format. That would be kind of cool, and and not just in like a Snapchatty way, but like in an actual like we're going to alter how our cameras are doing things and make our frames differently and maybe show off mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know. That would at least be, that would be interesting. Like for season three of critically acclaimed HBO series succession, <laughs> if they decided to, precisely. Yeah. Or, or like, or like black mirror were to come back or something. You know what I mean? Like, to Oh have, boy. Oh boy. Yeah. I'm just I'm, saying like, there could be some cool things. And in, in addition to critically acclaimed HBO show succession, which yes, would be a great use of this. You could just see some, you know, Netflix doing some interesting kind of things, but yeah, actually like, I think that with the kind of the rise of, of kind of the, um, the live stream kind of component of what happens, what's happening in South Korea and especially like in, in China too, I could actually see that being like, Oh, well we have a lot of this content that we might want to, you know, mm-hmm. like just cast or send to the, send to the screen this way. I will say the other uh, two TVs that are part of this lineup, the Serif and the Frame, I think that they are very attractive. Like yeah. these are some of the best looking TVs I've seen. They they look basically invisible in terms of the frame of them. Haha, <laughs> the frame. The frame. The frame. This episode of Rocket is also brought to you by Hover, our friends over at Hover. Finding a domain name is the first step to building your online identity. With Hover, you find the domain that shows the world who you are and what you are passionate about. I know what I am passionate about. <laughs> All right, I'm on. I've navigated to Hover.com. I'm typing suck into the search bar. S-U-C-C. Oh, this is probably not the best example. Wow. Christina. Yes. Suck.baby. Oh, God. It's bucks? like a website for us. Yeah. Yeah, that that seems that seems maybe a little a little maybe not great. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm, well, let, let me but actually like, just but, but but I'm not like mad at it. You know what I mean? No, I'm definitely not mad at it. Definitely not mad at it. <laughs> Succession.baby is also about that much. But there was a suck.ink that was only like 6.99 which is great. 
Uh, and if I were looking for perhaps a word, that would be more logical. But you see how, how easy and fun it is to search for words on Hover and find yeah. a ton of different TLDs uh, based on what I'm looking for. And perhaps I could have a better idea than um, a website devoted to how much I am waiting for season two of Succession to come Definitely. out. So I just tried to find freeanadelvi.com. Unfortunately, that was registered uh, uh, in uh, May of 2018.com uh, anyway. By you? But, <laughs> no, unfortunately not. But uh, freeanadelvi.online, freeanadelvi.org, uh, freeanadelvi.website. Um, let's see. Freeanadelvi.baby. Nice. Um, That's definitely you. Anna Delvey pay me dot Anna Delvey pay dot me <laughs> is available for $19.99. And so Anna Delvey pay me dot com is also available for $12.99. That's hilarious. Oh, good. Everything is very good out here. Uh, so obviously, if you would like to buy a domain name, Hover is a great way to do it. Uh, they also offer a best in class customer support team as well as a personalized email that matches your domain to further support your online identity. So in our case, uh, as babies, one of whom wants Anna Delvey to be freed, we could represent that in our professional emails as owners of this domain. And who wouldn't want that? Everyone basically has, you know, a website these days. So it's important for yours to stand out. And that is why Hover has over 400 domain name extensions for you to choose from. So you can brand yourself online. Uh, you heard me talking about the .me extension earlier, anadelvipay.me. That's a very cool extension. You could also use it for, say, a portfolio. I don't know, something that actually represents you. Uh, it's great for that. Uh, so if you have a personal website that's ready for launch, grab the .me extension. It's a popular domain for that kind of thing. Uh, it's a great thing. Uh, Great thing to have on your resume when you send it out. People will be like, oh, they're prepared. Uh, .me domains are on sale this month only at Hover for $9.99. That's 33% off your first year. And if you're new to Hover, you get an additional 10% off any domain extensions for your first year. And you can do that by going to hover.com slash rocket right now. That's H-O-V-E-R dot com slash rocket. Get that portfolio up and running or your other website for your other needs. Thank you so much, Hover, for your support of this show and Relay FM. Well, well, it's finally time to talk about it. The trial of the oh, century. Oh, oh, oh God, how I wish I'd been able to go down. there. Uh, <sighs> honestly, I would have given anything to be in the courtroom for this trial. So Anna Delvey, or I, I keep forgetting her act, her, Sorkin. She's Anna Delvey. I don't care. She's, it's Anna, she's, we're going to call her Anna Delvey. Uh, she was found guilty. Yeah, and she's the patron saint of this podcast. Patron saint of scams in this podcast. Found guilty of second degree grand larceny, theft of services, and one count of first degree attempted grand larceny. And she, I, I somehow missed this. She's 28. She's just the same age as me. And she's committed far more crimes than I have in my she's years so on this earth. She's with her life. Um, Truly. Like, I mean, truly, she's lived in a way that I mean, look, you're not in jail. So that's not great. Yet. She hasn't been she hasn't been sentenced. So we don't know what her sentencing is going to be. But she was found guilty on most but not all of her charges, um, which is which is interesting. So please do expand um, on the charges that she was not found guilty of, because I know you want to. Oh, I really do. I was going to try to find the 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 link of uh, if, if you are not familiar with Anna Delby, she basically pretended to be a rich heiress from Germany. She's actually Russian, but she did live in Germany for a time and was able to con a lot of like rich people in New York City, the who's who list of people that she was one of them. And then she kind of had like a, a series of scams to try to kind of get bank loans, which she never actually successfully got to uh, open some sort of art studio. And, and then she, you know, rubbed shoulders with important people. And then along the way, you know, was staying in hotels without actually putting credit cards down and running up huge bills. And then she uh, took uh, a couple of friends on this, uh, you know, amazing vacation to Marrakesh. And then just, oh my gosh, my, <laughs> my, my credit card just isn't working. It's just a problem. And, and convinced the 29-year-old uh, Vanity Fair uh, 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 
photo editor to uh, put down her corporate card to pay for the $60,000 uh, fee. And, uh, and then of course, you know, never paid the money back. <sighs> and then she was finally um, uh, arrested. Um, and uh, there was a, a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic New York magazine profile of her that ran last year that is going to be the basis of a Shonda Rhimes show on Netflix. The uh, Vanity Fair author, a uh, uh, person who was who was uh, stolen from, she um, was uh, she wrote an article for for Vanity Fair. It's not as good as the New York Mag one. Um, she would option that to Lena Dunham for HBO, and also has a book deal. So you know, if you if you thought that you if you were having some like Theranos uh, malaise, and we're upset <laughs> that it's going to be a while until we <laughs> we see the Theranos movie and 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 Hulu TV show, never fear because Anna Delvey is here. Also, we should add, I, we might have mentioned this on past pods, but uh, she her her <laughs> her lawyer went to like H and M and other places and like bought her like better clothes for and her. She looked pretty good. I mean, she looked amazing. Giant, Are you kidding? Me? It's oversized true. glasses. It's like no hero. Oh wow, she looks fantastic. I just love that they were like, yes, it's important that she maintains her brand. Um, and make no mistake, I I do want to say though, Christine, if you ever went to jail for like scamming people for millions of dollars and like were brought up on fraud charges, I think you would rock it even harder. Oh, just in my opinion. Oh yeah. No, I I would be like, okay, my my my. favorite person ever is Martha Stewart. And one of the reasons I love Martha Stewart, and unfortunately I think this probably did lead to her conviction, which was totally BS. Like so many people have done so much worse. And then she actually went to jail and she went to jail because she was like, it's better for my company if I just do the time rather than like appealing it and all this stuff. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, she's a freaking boss. But people were mad because she had like a really nice handbag. Like the jurors were like turned off by it, but like she's Martha freaking Stewart. Is she supposed to have like a bad handbag? No, she's going to have like her to me or whatever the, the hell she was carrying. And I was like, yes, it was just a to me. That's, Oh well, okay. well, well, yeah. this was when Toomey was nicer. And, oh, okay. and, and, and so, you know, some other things, but you know, she had like, you know, probably like a $600 bag or something. And people were like, okay, Oh, I'm shocked. And it's like, oh. okay, please. It's not like she had the Birkin, although she, I'm sure she has a Birkin. And even if she'd had the Birkin and Birkin bags uh, for the audience are like $20,000, if you can get one, um, you can sometimes find them for less, but 20,000 from what I understand is about what they yep, cost. You're not wrong. I'm looking, I'm looking them up right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've, I've looked, I've, I've considered and then I'm like, no, that's uh, not, yeah. I don't have the money for that. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, if I ever if I ever get indicted on weird scam charges, make no mistake. Yes, I will be wearing I will be wearing everything. I will be like looking okay. apart. Like make no mistake. So there was a great New York Times piece with the seven most bizarre highlights from her trial, and I love all seven of them. Not they're only so good. they're so good. This whole piece is it's subtly sarcastic the way the best New York Times pieces are. Oh, and yeah. It's got like the the Rachel Williams, the woman that wrote about this originally from Vanity Fair, the one that wrote that amazing piece. She went and testified. She betrayed her. She was there and she went to court and told them all of it. Yeah. All of it was and, sticking uh, up like a bill for a $60,000 dinner, yeah. all this other stuff. It was great. It was great. And unfortunately for Rachel Williams too, and, and, um, and it, she, her Vanity Fair piece was great, but the Jessica Pressler piece from New York mag is like the definitive piece. Okay. Fair. But, fair. but, but, uh, unfortunately for Rachel Williams, uh, Anna was found not guilty on the larceny charges associated with that because, um, <laughs> uh, so one of the jurors, uh, one, this is quoting from the New York Times right now, one juror who gave her name only as Debbie explained in an interview why the jury had found Ms. Sorokin not guilty of fleecing Ms. Williams of some $60,000. And I did a lot, a lot of nice things for her and she accepted it right down to the spa. Um, and, um, you know, talked about this $60,000 trip, trip to Morocco. Now, I think that seems a little unfair. Like in my mind, like she accepted this trip because her friend told her it was all going to be paid for. Yeah. Granted, she did partake in the opulence and luxury, uh, but but she only accepted because her friend was like, oh, I'll pay for all this. And yeah, she she went along with it. But then her friend, what she didn't go along with was her friend being like, oh, yeah, I just need you to put a card down. And then it was one of those things where the hotel, because 
and I hadn't paid. They had all these scary people. They're in a foreign country. The, um, I guess the, the, the yoga teacher who was getting paid $300 a session, mm-hmm. had already left. she was not feeling good. Um, lucky for her. Um, yeah, no and, uh, and Rachel Williams's big mistake. And I'm just going to say this, like, I have like a huge amount of sympathy for this, for this woman. Like I really do. And, and also congrats to her on optioning her, uh, her story for TV and book. That's awesome. Um, here's the thing. She was 29 and she put down her corporate card. Um, I, I can only speak for myself here and I'm not saying Eesh. that it would be a very stressful situation and, and it wouldn't be like very intimidating to be like, you have all these people who are saying all this stuff to you, but I don't think that there's anything ever that would, I, 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 I wouldn't put my corporate card down for $60,000 at some nope. place. Like, I just, I just wouldn't, you know what I mean? It would be one of those things where, you know, you would have to, call people in and whatnot. And and I'd find, I'd see if I could, I would pay my way to get out of the situation and to fly out of Marrakesh uh, and, and, and smell you later, Anna, (laughs) but I, I would not be pressured by anybody to put that down. And so I have a feeling that beyond just the whole, like, Oh, she accepted the stuff thing. It's more like, well, she willingly gave her credit card over, right? Like, that's kind of... I would hope that I would ask in that scenario, but I also, like, I don't know, maybe if I thought that I were about to be thrown into jail or something in a country where I didn't speak the language, I don't know. I might I might do some foolish things. I don't know. I mean, look, like I said, I can imagine it's very stressful. I just feel like, like, this is a lesson for anyone. If you're ever in a situation like that, unless the, the reservation was made under your name and like you'd put a card down, like you don't owe them That's true. anything. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it would be Anna on the line. Like it would not be you. Like they could, they could threaten you and obviously they will because they want their money. And I'm sure it was very stressful, but like, come on, girl, you're 29. Like abandon your friend completely like that is a completely legit like that is like yeah you know what that's what it's called but again that's called smell you later anna like see ya <laughs> good luck with all that like i'm 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 outie i'm outie 5000 yep. um but uh but yeah no this was so interesting um i uh, uh, uh this was also one of the funny things from the um new york times thing was was that she you know had um she was in these hotels where she had no money she had no intention of paying no ability to pay and then she continued to feast on the menu bar according to um the the people there you know getting six dollar diet coke feast on and refill the mini bar yeah and i love this at the w hotel near the world trade center she racked up which i was at uh two weeks ago uh, she racked up a 679 dollar bill for incidental expenses that's an awful lot of m&ms ms mccall added she emptied out the mini bar and then asked the w hotel to refill it i would like to point out that is actually amazing that she was able to get 679 dollars out of their mini bar and i'll tell you why <laughs> i'll tell you why because i've stayed at this hotel a number of times and their restaurant is is not open. They don't have a restaurant. So, which is frustrating because then you have to get delivery and then you have to go all the way downstairs and like go out and get it and you have to come up to the fifth floor and then go back up to, to your suite. Like it's a pain. So they have like a bar service, I guess, and they could they bring up bottles. Um, but they have like the standard snacks, even like the W in Times Square and the W in Union Square have much better snacks, for instance. Like you get the smaller array <laughs> of snacks. Like you get the gummy bears, like you get the $10 gummy bears from 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 the W or $12 or whatever. And you get the M&Ms that you get the the peanut and the and the regular in one thing. And you get like the the pop chips and you get the Pringles. Um but it's not like I'm I'm genuinely trying to think because I've spent a lot of time in W hotels. I, I don't know how you get six hundred seventy nine dollars unless vacation, you're vacation, like honestly, like I, yeah. I'm impressed. Like I'm impressed mostly just because I've spent like I was in that hotel for like a week, um, like like two weeks ago. So I I'm I'm impressed. Like, good job. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's why she's a professional. And as her attorney said in his opening defense. There is a little bit of Anna Delvey in all of us. And if we all especially Christina. Especially Christina. <laughs> and if we, we, we've all felt that temptation, um, but not all of us managed to ascend to her heights. And that is how she got that much money out of a mini bar. So 
So before we move on to final thought, I have an opinion. This may be a controversial opinion. We all know Kate McKinnon, Universal Crush, uh, yep. Rocket, like, sorry, uh, Frank, I would be tempted to, yeah. Um, she is going to play Elizabeth Holmes in the movie, and I feel yes. like she has enough range that she could yep. actually also play Anna <gasps> in the Netflix series. She could do both of them, I think. I don't like that. Really? I mean, I, th- I think she's talented. She enough could to do, do it. it. I wouldn't she say could, she'd be ideal, but no, she, she could, could do pull it. Off. Look, she's yeah. absolutely talented enough to do it. I don't like that just because I like to keep my two like people separate, mostly because like I love Anna and like Elizabeth Holmes is the worst. Right. So I don't want to feel conflicted when I see the person. One thing, my favorite like Anna Delby thing from the Jessica Pressler story is apparently Jessica Pressler like talked to her and was like, oh, Lindsay Lohan wants to play you. And Anna Delby's response, which is A, accurate and B, just amazing. She's like, ew, she's too old. Oh. <laughs> I mean, look, she's not wrong. Because Lindsay Lohan is like 33 going on 60. Yeah. And um, and also like she doesn't have, you know, the range or the talent for that role. <laughs> but uh, she doesn't. I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, I don't. Who who would we want as Anna Delby? Because Jennifer, J-Law is also <sighs> going to be Elizabeth Holmes. What about the woman who plays? Um, she, what about Shailene Woodley? Shailene Woodley would be good. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, I could see. Oh wow! Oh yeah, I could see that too. Okay, I think that's I, a I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to say Elizabeth Olsen, but but see, here's the great thing: we have two of them. We have the Netflix one, and we have the HBO one. You're so right. So, You're so right. So we, we can so have we, it so all. We can have them both: Shailene Woodley on, on one, and and Elizabeth Olsen on the other. But yeah, I think Shailene Woodley would actually be good. Elizabeth Olsen, who else would be good? Um, maybe uh, I'll think on it. But yeah, I think that's 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 good stuff. So before we get to the final topic, I propose we end the show because our final topic is going to have full spoilers. And then if you're interested in having uh, basically Avengers Endgame ruined or you've already seen it, you can stay through. How does that I absolutely agree. It sounds really great to me because I'm going to be leaving you (laughs) to have the spoiler chat by yourselves because I still I didn't make time this weekend to see it because I was cool. Oh, Oh, I know. So moving on to what we're doing this week, I'll be seeing Avengers Endgame. (laughs) I swear to God, I promise it'll happen. Um, and uh, oh yeah, we had our uh video, another one of the videos that we shot with celebrities go up today. Um, on YouTube.com slash Polygon, and this time it's Pat playing Dark Souls with T Pain, which is as great as it sounds. That said, I'm not surprised T-Pain was available to come to Polygon. He was actually in the middle of a tour. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was performing in Philadelphia uh, when they they, uh, caught him up and made time for him. But now he has vocal notes, so he he had to postpone his tour. So uh, what are you doing this week, Bree? Uh, This week, guys, I um, uh, I had a thread go pretty viral on Twitter this weekend about A-Chan, uh, the skink series. Um, you know, the latest uh, shooter at the synagogue um, was an avid user of A-Chan. Um, this is the second mass shooter that's come out of A-Chan this year. Um, as I'm sure our listeners know, um, A-Chan really became a thing during Gamergate. Uh, 4chan at one time banned Gamergate. A-Chan became wildly popular and uh, I had a thread about my um, basically my efforts to get law enforcement to seriously look at HN, uh, including two talks with the Obama White House and uh, several meetings with the FBI and federal prosecutors. Um, they did nothing. And we've had our second uh, mass shooting from there. So um, I'm going to have a piece in the New York Times this week on that. Um it's an honor, but it's also a really important policy situation. So um, I'm going to spend all day tomorrow working on writing that. Um, I'm also going to be on CBS later this week uh, talking about that as well. Wow. I'm glad you have the opportunity to write about that, though. Downer. It's like we either act on this stuff now. Um, like, Rocket listeners will agree, I'm sure. Like, you know, we don't want the government looking in and saying, well, you can or cannot um, 
say, mm-hmm. but like child pornography is not protected speech. Uh, publishing people's credit card information is not protected speech. And the amount of illegal things that were happening on HM is just a slam dunk for prosecutors. Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel. Christina, what are you doing this week? So I will be in um, San Jose for a day. I am doing final prep work for Microsoft Build, which is going to be next week. Yes, it is also the same week as Google I.O. So there is uh, lots and lots of uh, developer stuff. So I'm not going to be on the show next week because I will be heads down with Build stuff. Um, But if you are in the Seattle area, we are also having a um, Bits of Build Community Day on Thursday. Uh, That is the 9th, uh, May 9th. And it is actually free. And you don't have to be a build attendee to come, but we are looking for, you know, people who, you know, are, are from underrepresented groups, minorities, uh, women, uh, non-binary, um, uh, men are welcome to, of course, but but just we're, we're really kind of, you know, uh, making this a community day um, uh, thing. And, and I'm actually going to be doing the keynote. So um, if, uh, if you're in the Seattle area and you um, have something you want to do, um, I'm going to give some of the link to that and uh, you can check that on the show notes. But that is uh, that is what I'm up to. So I... Very little travel, very last minute travel, but uh, I will uh, uh, be at uh, at Build uh, next year. Congratulations on doing the keynote, Christina. Thank you so much. Oh, uh, and where can we find you guys online? Uh, Brianna Wu on Twitter. You can support my campaign at supportbrianna.com and Brianna Developer Brianna Wu on Facebook. And Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams, including my uh, various stories uh, and uh, hotel tours, which I'm, I think I'm going to have to like turn into a way where I can like uh, save them so people can can view them because uh, it seems to be everybody's favorite show is my hotel room tours. <laughs> and um, I'm also, uh, you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. Excellent. And you can find me at youtube.com slash polygon and on Twitter at Doom Quasar, where I will be posting all kinds of content about the critically acclaimed HBO series Succession. Uh, <laughs> um, and sorry, I'm going to keep making that joke. I will never stop. <laughs> Looking forward to season two. Uh, and of course, if you like this show, Rocket, please do review it on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend so that they can enjoy it as well. And now we are going to transition, this is your big siren warning, into Avengers Endgame spoiler talk. I'm going to be dropping out of the call to let my darling co-hosts go wild (laughs) (laughs) for however long they want without my adult supervision. On that Before film. you leave, yeah. I would say I'm disappointed you did not see this. I am too. I'm disappointed to in to me too. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll have to mention, we'll have to do well, you guys can talk about it without me next week a little bit, but Simone, you need to see it like ASAP because it's really good. As soon as I woke up this morning, I realized what a mistake I had made. I mean, it's only made like one point two billion dollars at the box office. Not off me, baby. <sighs> I'm 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 keeping my money. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy your talk, guys. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, so uh, a little bit of a uh, uh, note here. We recorded fantastic commentary for a good, like, (laughs) 20 minutes about uh, uh, Avengers Endgame, and I was not recording, and because Simone is not on the call, we do not have a call recorder copy of it. So we are starting over. There were things to do and talk to you for 20 minutes about a Marvel movie, like the ultimate Marvel movie. The so I'm okay Marvel with movie. this. All right. I'm okay. All right. Yes. So, so, so Brie, I, w- I want to get your, your thoughts. What, what did you think of Endgame? Okay. So overall, I, I really think this is something we've never seen before in film, right? Like they took a 22 film series and put an end cap on it and gave the audience an emotional, like, catharsis to all of these. You know, like, Christina, they're about to put out, what is it, James Bond, uh, which James Bond movie is it, the newest Daniel Craig one? Like, it's Bond 25 or something. They can't even keep the same actor, much less, like, a single storyline. No, and it's been going for, like, more than 50 years, you know? 50 years, and yeah, in 25 movies, I believe, at this point. So for this to go through and to use time travel as a plot device to 
to give everyone a moment to like, like, like meet every character or most of them and, you know, have a moment to go back and visit with people that died and let all of the core Avengers have like a, a moment of emotional catharsis in the audience. I just, I really think it's an artistic achievement. Like we've never seen before in film. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, uh, I was just, I loved it. I, I had a great time. I saw it a couple of days early in um, uh, Stockholm. And so it was kind of cool to see it um, on opening night there in in Sweden. Um, it was in English with, with Swedish subtitles. And it felt like a, just a great culmination to, like you said, that kind of everything that kind of built up. And what I really appreciated was that even though, uh, and, and in our first conversation, we talked about this a little bit, but we'll talk about it again. Even though, you know, there might be some handwriting that we didn't get to see as many of some of like the ancillary characters and people we've come to know and love. What happens with these movies, because, you know, like there are so many people in this thing that you literally people will come in for like a day and they'll get like a scene, you know, maybe and sometimes it'll even be cut. I really liked the focus on this was just on our core adventures. Like, that's what I really appreciated. Yeah, definitely. So I I initially thought that like if you had not seen most of the movies before it, Maybe you wouldn't be lost, but it would just, it would be hard to like connect with this rather convoluted plot. But you saw, you saw this with someone who had not seen all the movies and they said they were okay with it. Is yeah, that, no, yeah. yeah, totally. Like, like, um, you know, I, I, like you said, like, I think that there's probably an emotional connection with some of the ending, some of the deaths, some of like the ways that characters concluded that you wouldn't have that same sort of emotional resonance if you hadn't seen the others. But, um, Mel, like, who, who I who I saw it with, like, I even sent her a YouTube video of, like, you know, 40 minutes long. It was like, oh, all the things, you know, you need to know from Endgame and, or before Endgame, and she didn't watch it. And she's probably <laughs> seen a couple of the Ironmans and, and, and stuff on airplanes, but, like, she doesn't know the whole thing. She doesn't care. Like, she's not, you know what I mean? She's, like, the average person, and she still got it. She still understood what was happening, and, um, and so that was... I thought really good storytelling and really good writing because some of the Marvel movies, they do a good job with that, right? There's enough exposition that you can come in blind and kind of know, but some of them, they don't, right? Like some of them, it's really like, I think Marvel typically does a better job than DC. DC really kind of expects you to have seen all of their ridiculously poorly paced, like bad idea, you know, stuff. Um, they really want you to see justice league, which is a terrible movie. And like, Oh, you know, you know what I mean? But like, but, but they, they reference a lot of that stuff. Um, whereas this, they reference things, but if you had, if you were coming in blind, like you would be able to, to, to know the gist of what was going on and, and understand, even if you didn't get like the intricacies of the relationship between other characters, like you could see like, Oh, this is really impactful. You know what I mean? Like you could see like the scene with, with, um, uh, with a black widow and Hawkeye, like, you know, when, when, before, she dies, you know, like you see like their emotional kind of like relationship, even if you weren't aware of the backstory of that, like, you know, th- that comes through because the both of them are such good actors. I am, st- I am still mad about Black Widow dying, by the way, like that. I, I'm not down with that. I was pretty pissed about that. I, I was very pissed. I felt like it was, a. I felt like Black Widow, if you're going to have a death, like Wolverine had an amazing death. And Iron Man got an amazing death. I felt like Black Widow's death was, it was, it was lazy. It was not earned. It was barely reflected on by the back of the cast, by the rest of the cast. And I really feel, I I really feel like it's the worst part of the movie by far. Yeah, totally. I mean, and and I I wonder if part of the reason it wasn't as reflected on by the cast is the fact that we know that like her contract's not up. Like there's at least one Black Widow movie in the works. It would be shocking to me if there was only one, right? Like yeah. um it, she is their their big female star. It, to me, I am I will be honest, it's annoyed me always that it has taken this long for us to get a Black Widow movie, right? Like, I love Captain Marvel. I love um, um, uh, uh, Brie um, uh, Larson. Uh, Larson. Yeah. I love her to death. But, like, Scarlett Johansson, you know, has been the female lead of this of this series and of this franchise. And it's kind of messed up that, like, 
she's the last one to get her own solo film, right? Like that's kind of that's kind of messed up. Like that's not cool. Yeah. Um, well, especially when she's one of the biggest names in the cast, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, okay, because we were talking about this before um, in our earlier talk too. Like, uh, both of us were kind of mad at Jeremy Renner because of his comments um, uh, about uh, how how Black Widow was was uh, kind of a slut or whatever, and. And um, Chris Evans, like, apologized because he's the good Chris and, and Jeremy Renner never really did. But we both kind of agreed. We sort of forgave him because he was so talented in this movie. But the interesting thing there, and, like, I've always, I've always said this, like, he's a real actor. Not to say that the others aren't, but, like, he's not an action star. Like, he has, you know, been in Oscar-nominated films. He's been nominated for Oscars. Like, he's, like, a legit actor. And the same thing with her. He has a lot of range. And I like Scarlett Johansson. She doesn't. <laughs> like, she, at least with the writing I've seen her in. Well, like, no, she's I, kind I, of one note. Yeah. No, I think she's actually, I think she has a lot of range. Like, watch a... a really? Vicky, Watch Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Uh, she's great in that. She's great in Ghost World. Like, I actually think she's very good. She's great in Match Point. Um, she's good in her. Like, I really, I, I think she's a very talented actress, right? And again, she's also been nominated for for uh, awards. She's not just an action star, right? Like, she's not as talented as, say, Charlize Theron, who is obviously the most talented of, like, the actresses who can go from drama to action film. Um, but, but or she, Natalie Portman, right? Well, Natalie Portman doesn't do action, but, um, I mean, she was in Thor, but she doesn't do really the action yeah. stuff the same way. Right. Like Natalie Portman right. is, I think one of the most talented actresses, period. Amy Adams as well. But like Shirley's Theron is like a leg- like Mad Max, like action star. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're like, yeah. okay, but yet she's Oscar, Oscar winner and beautiful anyway. But, um, you know, but both of well, them are... if I could just say, like, one of the problems, I mean, it's it's always the writing, right? Because like, women just don't have the biggest range of parts. And, like, take her in Ghost World, right? Like, she's kind yeah. of the pouty, kind of furious sidekick that is maturing faster than Enid is, right? That's kind of the same, like, kind of anger, anger bubbling underneath. That's kind of the same character as Black Widow, which is kind of the same character she is in Ghost in the Shell, which is kind of like, totally. you know, it's like, well, and part of that, I mean, I think the weird thing there and it's hard is that like Ghost World is the film that made her. Um, like when that movie came out, she was the breakout star. Like nobody, uh, poor Thora Birch, right. Who had been hacking forever. No one cared about Thora Birch. Everybody was like, who is this other girl? We, she's amazing. We want to cast her. Which is fair because she's far and away like the best part of that movie. Um, R.I.P. Brad Renfro. But like, you know, that that movie belongs to, uh, uh, in my opinion anyway, belongs to Scarlett Johansson. But back to uh, Endgame. Like, yeah, I was upset with with her death. But the only way I guess I can, I'm trying to kind of reconcile their treatment of things. Because obviously you can't expect them to give as much time or dedicate as much time as they did to Tony, right? Because Tony is... Sure. The the heart and soul of the entire franchise. But I was still annoyed that it didn't have um like more stuff. I'm 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 with that. So um my but the only way I reconcile that, I guess, is by saying, okay, well, what'll happen is that she's getting at least one, you know, prequel. She might be getting more. Um, and, and we'll we haven't seen the last of her. That's the only way I can kind of reconcile it. But it it was that that disappointed me. I was pretty angry about that. Um, but what's interesting is even though they did, like I said, they focused on you know the the, the core six. It was sort of frustrating some, seeing some of the other characters that were there. Like I love Captain Marvel, but she didn't need to be in this movie. She did not. She's in it for two scenes, and she's like, "Oh, other planets have need stuff," and it's like, "Okay, you're here for like literally a cameo." Like they literally, in my opinion. There was no reason that they needed to introduce her um, in this film, like because when they go into the next phase where she's going to have a much more prominent role, like that felt like that might have been the more opportune time, or just have her at the end, you know, in the sequence where they have everybody from the entire MCU, you know, in that sequence, like that that maybe would have felt better because it just it felt awkward that like she starts out that she's a part of it in the beginning and then just goes away. Just it's I don't know, it's weird. I mean, you know, overall, this film is excellent, and I don't oh, want totally. to. I don't want to like cast aspersions on this entire amazing work of art from a feminist critique. But that said, I 
I was frustrated watching this movie because it's it's really par for the course of what the rest of the Marvel movies have done. Uh, where the the core characters here that they really focus on, the characters that get a complete arc, like set it up, conflict, like sacrifice something, resolution. Uh, all of them are men, generally speaking. Captain America gets totally. that. Iron Man gets that. Uh, you know, the women, there's really not a woman that has her own arc. You can say it a little bit for Nebula, but not really. Uh, I think I, th- I think Nebula did, but you're right. Like, she didn't get the it's same thing. It's a B arc. It's, it's yeah. a B arc, totally. And and there's, yeah. a, there's a great headline from um, AV Club that says, Avengers Endgame doesn't earn its big girl power um, moment. And, and at the end of the film, like, you know, the the final battle scene when they're going up against Thanos, all the female characters rise up. And it is an awesome thing, right? Like in the theater, I was cheering. Like I was so excited. And the audience, for what it's worth, uh, in Sweden was like over the moon. <laughs> but they're not wrong. Like it didn't really kind of earn that, right? Like you see these characters who haven't uttered a single word and they're all coming together. And and, and this is a franchise that hasn't really given women their due. That's changing, right? Like we got Captain Marvel. We're we're hopefully going to have a really good Black Widow film, and and maybe we'll see some other stuff going going down um, the line. Um, and and certainly like like you saw more stuff with with a uh, uh, Black Panther. But yeah, I mean, you know, I love this film, and and everybody should go see it. But you're dead on. Like it it there is. It, there's no mistaking the fact that this is a, a a film series where the men are much more important. Um, and are written with a lot more complexities than the women are. Um, but this is why we've, I felt so good about it, Christine, because in some ways it's, you know, when Iron Man came out, my God, what year was that? That was uh, like 2010, 20, uh, 2000, yeah. 2009, 2009. Wow. No, 2000, 2008, ago. sorry, 2008, 2008. You know, the, the things have changed a lot in movies since yeah. 2008. And I guess rather than like feeling negatively about it, the way I feel is, Marvel is definitely going in the right direction. Oh, like totally. Iron Man and Wasp was a big step up on that subject. Black Panther, big step up. Captain Marvel, big step up. And I kind of loved it. It's like, okay, we're putting a pin on this kind of traditional idea about who geek culture is made from. You know, we let all these characters, they had their moment. And moving forward, you know, like Black Panther made a lot of money. Uh-huh. Like Captain Marvel made a lot of money. And I, I kind of loved it for the next really big set of Marvel films. Like maybe we can get it. Yeah. Maybe we can do better from here. So I love this. Like a, it's a putting an end cap on it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I also, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say like, I did like a uh, Thor kind of handing things over to Valkyrie. <laughs> um, and, but also I loved Thor so much in this movie. I think that he was like kind of the MVP, like he was funny and he was vulnerable and, and, uh, uh Chris Hemsworth, uh, was, uh, became like, I've always thought he was super hot and <laughs> he was great in it. And, and honestly, like, I really want him to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And I really want him to just be like at odds with with Chris um, Pratt because, um, A, I'm kind of mad at Chris Pratt, even though I've been a Chris Pratt stan since Everwood. But B, <laughs> like I, that that whole interaction was really good. But I, I, I want to see that. Like I actually thought that that was like, oh, that's a really good kind of turn of things going on. That he's like, oh, I'm just going to be a space guy now. Like I... I loved that. And I, I actually thought that his scene with uh, Rene Russo, I thought that was a really um, good scene, a really good emotional scene. I'm curious how much Natalie Portman got paid for old footage of her being used in the film. Uh, she had to get paid something because she owns like her own rights to that stuff. But that was... But that she was, was barely in the film. She and was, she's and it was so old footage. Yeah. It, and it was old footage, right? But, uh, but that, again, I think is why I love this movie so much is that literally... Everybody, even if like they've left the series, uh, everybody but uh, but Terrence Howard was in this, right? Like everybody who who didn't leave, who wasn't recast, uh, was in this movie, and so um, it felt like a really good ending. And and I I I did appreciate the the very kind of you know long kind of like salute to Robert Downey Jr. at the end. 
I don't cry in Marvel movies, but I almost did when John Favreau was having this cameo and was talking to the little girl who played his daughter. Oh, oh. Also, that little girl, good actress. Yeah, like, like 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 really good young actress. Like she's gonna get cast in everything. She's really good. But Couldn't yeah, agree more. I I, 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 I completely bawled. I bawled at the Captain America ending. And I way too think about the send off for both Iron Man and Captain America. I thought they were both very. Funny. I thought they were both really good. I thought Captain America. I think that's one like uh, you said. Like if you didn't haven't watched um, those films, it might not resonate as much. But I thought like you really felt because the whole series, right? Like you've kind of felt his ache. You know, that he's he was from a different time, that he's lost all this. And then after seeing everybody disappear and getting to kind of experience that loss on a different scale, like when he has the opportunity to go back, he's like, okay, I'm going to age. I'm going to spend my life with the person I love. Yeah. And I, you know, I loved that. And I thought that Tony's, you know, ending was was uh, completely fitting. You know, I mean, it was really sad because you don't want Iron Man to no longer be around, but it also seemed like, you know, they handled it really well. Um, I'm not convinced that we'll never see RDJ again. Um, I think that, I don't think that anybody can understate the role and the impact that he personally has had in building this franchise for Disney and for for Marvel. Like, you know, uh, Disney bought Marvel, uh, you know, large because of this series right and he was somebody who you know struggled with addiction he's always been an incredibly talented actor struggled with addiction for years was in jail had a comeback on Ally McBeal in the in the late 90s and then had to be fired because he wasn't clean even though like his performance was fantastic and it kind of messed things up uh, narratively when they had to kick him off and then came back again and was kind of given this this last kind of chance and has turned into the highest paid actor in Hollywood and with with well-deserving reasons, right? Like yeah. he yeah. he deserves every single dollar that he gets. Like he gets a certain amount of points on the back end and and he's going to probably he's like if he's not already a billionaire, he's like close to it just from all the money he's earned from from Avengers films and 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 you know, um the various MCU films and um like salute you RDJ, right? Like <laughs> I I uh so it was super sad to see that happen, but I'm also kind of, I'm like his contract, like Disney will pay him anything if they, if they want him to come back, even if it's just for like a cameo or something, you know what I mean? And I kind of feel the yep. same way about Chris Evans, like his contract is over, but I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted him to appear or like have a small thing as something like they can, they can rip out the checkbook and be like, okay, here you go. You don't have, you're no longer in a seven film commitment, but well, you know, for this one thing or or this other thing, we want you to do stuff. Now, he's not going to do any of the Disney Plus TV stuff. Make no mistake, right? Like that's 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 where like you're that's you're beneath this pay grade, oh, yeah. without a doubt. Like, but that's that's for the Tom Hiddlestons and the the other people who like you know don't matter enough to be in the actual movies. Go, uh, oh, and now all the Tom Hiddleston fans are going to come at me again. Uh, sorry, it's true. Um, <laughs> you have nothing to lose. Oh my I, gosh, really? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a. I loved it. I, I'm, I can't wait to go see it again. Actually, I'm definitely going to see it again. So, uh, Rocket fans, I want to know what you thought, what you think of this. So, tell us without spoilers. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts. And uh, yeah, this episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. <laughs>